My brothers and sisters in the Lord, a few years ago, I was in the city of Memphis for a workshop. And because I had an extra day in the itinerary, I decided to take in some of the local sites. Now, if you've been to Memphis, or if you know anything about Memphis, if you're gonna take in any of the local sites, you're going to see something about Elvis, the king of rock and roll. And so I went on this little tour, and the tour guide was bringing this small group around, and first we went to Sun Records, to the studio there, and when you walk into the studio, there is an X on the floor. And the guide was telling us that that X is the exact spot where Elvis Presley stood when he recorded his first song. And then she went on to say that a few weeks before that, Bob Dylan came into Sun Records, and as he came in, he didn't speak to anyone. He went into that studio, he knelt down on his knees where that X was, he kissed that X, he got up, and he went on his way. Maybe that's one tribute of a legend to another, I'm not sure, but that was the X on the floor. And of course, the second part of the tour is you go to Graceland. And as we were in line, waiting for the tickets in order to get into Graceland, I asked the tour guide a very simple question, at least what I thought was a simple question. I asked her, how long did Elvis actually live here? And all of a sudden, my brothers and sisters, they were like this silent gasp of everybody there in the crowd waiting for tickets. And the tour guide leaned over to me and she said very quietly, she said, Father, we never speak about Elvis in the past tense here. <laughs> and she pointed to somebody's t-shirt and the t-shirt said, Graceland, where Elvis lives. Now you and I know my brothers and sisters, there are individuals who still say that Elvis lives. Whether they mean it real or figuratively, he is still the king, the king of rock and roll. And because of that, my friends, they pass on the message of Elvis. They pass on his music. They have Elvis impersonators. We went to the little gift shop. You know, every place has a gift shop. We went to the little gift shop, and what I thought was certainly the, kind of, the strangest thing is that they had an Elvis water uh, sprinkler for your front lawn. <laughs> Elvis was about a foot tall and he had this white sequence jumpsuit on, and as he watered your lawn, he shook his hips. <laughs> These people believe in Elvis, whether it was by word or music, whether it was by the water sprinkler or the impersonators, whether they went and had a room in their home filled with Elvis memorabilia, they passed on the message of the king. My brothers and sisters, I give you that little imagery because the church today celebrates the solemnity of Christ the King, the last Sunday of the liturgical year. And it's a very important time for us to ask ourselves, who is our King? Because there are many people who still worship Elvis. And there are many people who worship a lot of other things. Who is your King and my King? In the gospel today, Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And how does Jesus respond? 
Did you come to that reasoning on your own or did someone else tell you about it? My brothers and sisters, who is our king? Because I firmly believe, my friends, that everyone in this world worships someone or something. Everyone. Everyone worships someone or something. Whether you're a Catholic on fire with your faith, whether you're a lukewarm Catholic, whether you're a fallen away Catholic, whether you're part of another Christian denomination, whether you're part of another faith tradition, whether even you're agnostic or atheist, you worship someone or something. Because you see, my friends, whatever our ultimate concern is in life, whatever that may be, that is our God. Whatever our ultimate concern is in life, that is our God. For some people, it's our money and our bank accounts and our investment portfolios and our IRAs and whether the stock market is up or down or somewhere in between, that's the God. For other people, it's their personal appearance. How much weight do they need to lose? How tall do they need to be? Is their hair getting gray? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? What is the new creams that are out to get rid of all my wrinkles? That becomes your God. For some people, it's their house. For some people, it's their work or their job or their career that has become their God, the thing that they worship. For other people, it's things that are good. Their family is the most important thing to them, so their family then becomes their God. But you see, my brothers and sisters, as a people of faith, there's only one whom we worship, and that is the Lord Jesus. No one else, how good they may be, nothing else, now, how good it may be, can ever take the place of our God. And that's what we're reminded of on this feast day, of Jesus Christ, King of the universe. Who is your king? Who do you allow to reign over your heart? Jesus says in the book of Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the one who is, who was, and who is to come. But you see, my brothers and sisters, if you and I profess that Jesus is our king, then it means that we have to be willing to live for him and that we have to be willing to die for him. To live for the king and to die for the king. Because to be a follower of Jesus is going to require both and neither are easy. But it's all on the path of discipleship. I remember when I was newly ordained, maybe a year or two, a gentleman came into my office and he sat down and he said, Father, I want to tell you about an experience that I had. I've never told anyone about this in my entire life. He said about 10 years ago, he was at a neighborhood poker game. And as he was walking home from the poker game with his friends, he said, I was walking home and then all of a sudden, I saw this very bright light. And in that bright light, I saw the most beautiful face. And somehow I knew it was Jesus. And he was calling me and he was talking to me. And I felt this awesome peace and love and joy that I've never felt before. But Father, I've never told anyone about it. And so I asked him, why not? Do you think people would think you were crazy because you saw Jesus? And he said, no. He said, the reason I've never told anyone about that is because if I did, then I believed it was true, and if I believed it was true, it meant I need to change my life. I couldn't operate my business like I still did if I believe I saw Jesus there. 
I couldn't treat my family the same way if I believed I saw Jesus there. You see, he was afraid to live for the Lord and to die for the Lord. My friends, what about us? If Christ is truly our King, how do we live? Does it change our life? About two months before he was assassinated, Dr. Martin Luther King, in one of his sermons, said this, and I quote, If Christ is King, what does that mean? If Christ is ruler over our lives, then my Nobel Peace Prize is less important than my trying to feed the hungry. If Christ is King, then my invitations to the White House are less important than when I visited those in prison. If Christ is the Lord, then my being Time Magazine's Man of the Year is less important than that I've tried to love extravagantly, dangerously, and with all my being. You see, my brothers and sisters, if Christ is our King, it sets our priorities in a different order. Because God always comes first. And when the Lord comes first, everything else falls into its proper place as God works it all out. But do we really believe he is king? And do we live our life as the Lord Jesus is reigning in our hearts? Some of you may be familiar with this date. July 20th, 1969. July 20th, 1969. Now, Father Cooper was not born yet. Deacon Cliff was born. July 20th, 1969 was the day that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Nixon said in his comments, it was the greatest event since creation. And we all are familiar with Armstrong's words, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But do you know the second part of the story? The second part of the story is that Neil Armstrong was a very devoted Christian. And many years after he had retired being an astronaut and after he had walked on the moon, he was on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And while he was in the Holy Land, he was at the gate to the temple in the old city. The temple gate that led up the pathway to where the temple would be. And he was there on pilgrimage and he asked the guide as they stood there at the temple gate, ready to walk this path, he said, would these, this have been the path that Jesus walked? And the guy said, of course. This is the original gate, the old gate. This is the exact path, the exact steps that Jesus would have walked. And Neil Armstrong said to the guide, then this path is more exciting for me to walk than walking on the moon. Because I'm walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Now, my brothers and sisters, it shows you something about his life of faith. What about us? Who is our king? I end by giving you this image. I think at times it can be very powerful for our own sort of meditation and to think about. Last time I was in Berlin, I had the opportunity to visit the National Art Gallery there in Berlin. And one of the paintings that they have there is done by an artist by the name of Adolf Menzel. Adolf Menzel was painting a portrait of King Frederick of Germany. And the way the portrait was being painted is King Frederick was basically in the middle and he was being surrounded by all his generals. And he was speaking there to all his generals. Well, Menzel decided he was going to paint all the generals first, which he did. 
He painstakingly painted all of these generals around the king. But there was only one problem. If you look at the painting today, and if you look at the center, all the generals are pretty much painted, but in the center of the painting, all you see is the white canvas. Why? Because Menzel died before he could finish the painting. So he never got to paint King Frederick. There's a white spot where the king is. The king is missing. My friends, I offer you that image because we need to ask ourselves, in our own life, is the king missing? Is there a blank spot there? Am I surrounded by all of these things, all of whatever my generals may be, my money, my finances, my houses, everything that I'm doing, everything that I need to do, all the things that I want to talk about and not talk about, all of my business, everyone else's business that is none of my business. Is all of that surrounding us, but the king is missing. You see, my brothers and sisters, on this feast day, on this solemnity of Jesus Christ, King of the universe, we must ask ourselves the question, who is our king? And if it truly is Jesus, my friends, then we need to be willing to live for the Lord and to die for the Lord, to walk in the path of the king.